When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is Enoch bad at his job or is all the people he sends to do their job <laughs> bad at their jobs? Right? Hey, if man, they were effective, then it would have been great how it would have worked out. Oh, Captain, my Captain. No, this is not a Dead Poet Society podcast. If it were... I would ask you all to go stand up on your desks immediately. I speak of captains because we have the captain on the day of a dispatch this week. That's right. Grand Admiral Thrawn's right-hand man, that dude with the super creepy gold mask, Captain Enoch, is going to be with us, which is to say that actor Wes Chatham is joining us. You loved him on Ahsoka. You loved him on The Expanse. And you will love him here as we talk lots of Star Wars, uh, Sylvester Stallone and Josh Brolin, and not necessarily in that order. We're going under the mask, everyone, right here on the Dig of a Dispatch. I am Dalton Ross, serving as a right-hand man myself, but this time to the one and only Devin Kogan, who has been a little under the weather lately, but we leave no soldier behind here on the Dig of a Dispatch podcast. How are you holding up, Devin? Are you uh, heavily medicated at this point? I am heavily medicated on on ibuprofen. I've taken quite a bit, um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to to listen to this week's um, interview. Like, I, I I just want. I hope you asked him all about that mask because the mask is incredible. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite parts of the show. It's it. Me too. I love it. Yeah, we definitely talk about the mask. Um, I'm glad you're out of the back to tank. Uh, and back, uh, back with us. I have all my limbs attached. They didn't, they didn't, repl- I was worried when I got in the back tank that somebody was going to, I was going to wind up with a limb replacement, but fortunately, um, I've, I've got all of them intact. Uh, I just want to say to anyone that missed, uh, last week's episode with Lando Calrissian, Billy D. Williams, uh, made quite the splash, uh, Devin, yeah. not only to get picked up in a lot of fan sites, um, but also um, big mainstream press like Vanity Fair and Yahoo and IGN and even People Magazine, who is part of our company, yet probably didn't even know we existed into this podcast. <laughs> probably true. They were they were they were picking it up. They were like not unlike Crimson Dawn, we operate in the shadows. Like no one quite <laughs> knows what we're up to. Uh, they were even writing about the interview with with Billy D. Williams, and uh, I do want to say to. Uh, Anyone from any media outlets who is listening to this podcast, always thank you for linking to the podcast. We appreciate that. That's the way it should be done. And everyone is uh, being good about doing that. But yeah, it was a cool interview. Everyone should go check it out if you missed it. Absolutely. All right. Let's get into some housekeeping before we have uh, West Chatham, Captain Enoch on uh, on the show. As always, you guys can leave us a voicemail. Connect with us. It's 657-799-1566 is the number. You can leave your thoughts, questions, comments, whatever you want. Just, uh, you know, love talking Star Wars with you all. And this is a way for us to communicate with each other. And it's a way for you to be a part of the show and on the show. 657-799-1566. We also have our Spotify poll. 
You can vote every uh, episode. We put up a poll question and you guys can go vote there. If you listen to the podcast on Spotify, our poll last week was who has the coolest lightsaber? Uh, and the options were Luke Skywalker, Darth Maul, Asajj Ventress, Count Dooku, and Ezra Bridger. These were kind of the, the lightsabers Devin and I spoke about last week. So we we, we let you all vote. And uh, the results are in. Uh, Darth Maul with 58% of the vote. Shocking. Uh, yeah, runaway victory with the double blade. Uh, Asajj Ventress with the split blade went got 33%. Devin's favorite, the Luke Skywalker classic, got 8%. And uh, Count Dooku and Ezra Bridger, 0% each. No one likes the hilt, Devin, I guess. Or the, or the pistol blaster, I guess. What can or, you do? Uh, blaster, uh, what do you call it? Blaster saber, I guess. Combo package. Yeah, just completely shut out. We're going to uh, talk a little bit more lightsabers in just a second. But I'll, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the poll this week. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what the poll is this week because it's a little tease, Devin. Uh, I, I sort of, uh, in the West Chatham interview that you guys are going to hear, I did at one point ask him, like, you know, is, Captain Enoch is so cool looking and what a nifty character and that creepy gold mask. But, like, is he actually any good at his job? Like, I mean, at several times he's told, like, you know, go take care of Ahsoka or go take care of this person. And it just sort of doesn't get done. <laughs> so I, I, I put the question to Wes. I'll let you see how he takes it. But we're going to ask you all, is Thrawn's right-hand man, Captain Enoch, good at his job? It's a simple yes or no. Uh, and you guys can go vote on Spotify and we'll, we'll reveal the results next week. Uh, what do you think? Is he good at his job, Devin? Um, you want to lead the I witness here I, a little bit? The, the diplomatic answer is that he's good at his job, but Ahsoka and company are just better. Yeah. Um, but I I think he's pretty capable and talented. You don't get to be Thrawn's right hand dude without some, you know, w- without being pretty pretty talented and yeah. you know at the top of the corporate ladder. It's fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So we 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 talked about the the lightsaber situation uh, off of one of our voicemail questions last week and talked about which lightsaber we'd like to have. And I get I don't even know. Sammy, if you want to explain how you even came across this, you guys know like everyone's wasted time in their life doing like a stupid like BuzzFeed quiz. Mm. One of those things that tries to like to be like somewhat scientific and it'll be like, tell us what kind of like cereal you like eating and we'll tell you what Jedi you are. Just like just like the, the, the most inane thing possible. Sammy somehow found something on on YouTube. Do you want to explain what this is, Sammy? Yeah, so I stumbled upon this one, or I chose this one in my very long five-minute search for uh, which lightsaber are you. And I honestly, I chose this one because otherwise it was going to be like a BuzzFeed quiz, and I really wasn't feeling that style of questioning that day. Um, and I hadn't seen a YouTube style quiz, so I chose this one for us just uh, just to see how a YouTube style quiz works. Um, the specific one is from Leia's Layer colon a Star Wars channel, and about halfway through taking it myself, I realized that this one isn't the most up to date one, and in fact, it is from 2018. So sorry, guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> but the the way that the quiz works is that it poses a question, it gives you an answer, and then after that, it'll give you how many points your answer is worth. And then at the end, you add up all your points, and then um, you're designated a Star Wars lightsaber hilt okay which is very scientific here very. Uh, yeah i think that's how uh the jedi order does it actually <laughs> this is how they do it they're on the youtube so uh all right let's 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 give a sample as to what what's happening in leia's lair so sammy set it up you know ask you a bunch of questions it's like those dumb buzzfeed the ones you answer it you, t- you this one does force you to do math i will say that there is math involved on the test uh, but but let's play a sample question in this quiz that's supposed to determine what lightsaber hilt you should have. Question five. You learn your apprentice, whom you love as a brother, has fallen to the dark side. Do you, A, meditate on this matter and hope an appropriate solution presents itself. B, take the high ground. C, go on with your life and pretend you never knew him. D, join him. You hear the dark side has cookies. E. Try to persuade him back to the light. Destroy him if he doesn't. F. Destroy him and everyone he loves. They will only cause problems later. G. Cut off his limbs and let him burn in lava. How could he do this to you? That's a lot of options. Like when you're getting into G, the letter G, it's a lot of options. I respect that though, because sometimes, you know, you take these quizzes and it's like your options are like, oh no, what do I do to uh, like to save it? And it's either just like two options and you're like, no, I want, there should be more nuance. I, I love nuance. I love more options. Uh, all right. So, you know, I, I, I per my producer's instructions, I, I took this quiz and I, I, uh, I, I, I answered the questions. Like, how did you answer these questions, Devin? Like, like, did you do like just the funniest answer or what you actually think you would do or what, what the right thing to do is? Like, how did you answer these? I did what I, Devin, think I would do in that situation. I took right. it very seriously. Um, and, you know, usually like a lot of these have like dark side answers. I'm not a dark side person. So usually I was like, oh, I'm going to go with the most obvious answer. Um, which was, you know, kind of fun. I mean, there's, there was a couple that were like very much like, oh, obviously I would do that. There was, um, there's one where it's like, oh, you're trapped in a Jedi Coliseum and you have a giant animal coming after you. And I was like, obviously I would pick the choice to befriend the animal, uh, because that's very me coded. Um, but yeah, no, usually leaning towards sort of light side Jedi like answers as opposed to, to Sith. But what about you? Did you just go for chaos? No, I probably should have. Uh, I am a chaos agent, but no, I didn't do that. I, I, I kind of tried to, to do it like, you know, do like a decent job of it and actually talk about what my answer would be. But I did notice that I, I think like the number you would get, like the lower the number was, was the more sort of like light side passive and the more aggressive dark side was the heavier number that you got. I think so too. Yeah. This is the way this went. All right. So listen, uh, basically what happens is you, 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 Give your answers, then you add them all up. And if you're in a certain range, you get a certain lightsaber. Uh, so what did you get, Devin? What hilt did you get? I got, drumroll please, da, 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 da. I got the curved hilt. We're going with some Count Dooku, you know, kind of kind of vibes, um, which I'm kind of into. It was like, it, I, don't, I forget exactly what it said um, in the results, but it was like a uh, very elegant, uh, single-handed lightsaber fight style. Um, I was like, I'm into that. I love, I love a classic. So I, I wasn't. I, I, I like it because it's like a classic, but with a little bit of a twist, you know. So well, like literally, literally, a twi- yeah, a literally twist. a twist. Did you uh, do you remember how many points you got? 
Um, it was like 28 or something like that in that range, I think. Uh, I got 28 points as well. I got the curve tail. We got Wait, the exact same is... score. <laughs> <laughs> the exact same score. 28 points, curve tail, which I don't understand, Devin. This is why, I mean, I love this. I'm now going to waste like energy talking about how a YouTube lightsaber help quiz does not make sense, uh, which is just the height of idiocy. But um, pretty much all the answers I gave were like Jedi type answers, right? Yeah. Like I, there's no dark side in here at all. Yet then it gave me Dooku's lightsaber, which doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. I know some of the more points went to even like further, you know, you got malls in there. You got like the inquisitors spinning blade ones like i didn't get that but i did get like a sith lord who shoots lightning out of his fingers which doesn't really make a lot of sense but then again it's a youtube lightsaber hilt then again i mean i think it's more about the hilt and less about the actual like lightsaber history i mean i mean i guess dooku had a curved hilt before he went to the dark side mm. theoretically True. so yeah. um you know i don't know all right, I know. Oh, I don't know what Sammy got, but I know Sammy was apparently very upset by their their results. Uh, Sammy, do you want to reveal what you got? Yeah, I got the dang curved hilt too. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I uh, I actually I just took a screenshot of the curve curved hilt explainer. If you if you want me to rattle that off, yeah, Please rattle do. it off. What does it What does it have to say about us? All right, so the range is twenty six through thirty four. This lightsaber was similar to that of a standard single blade, except it would feature a curve in the hilt. Users prefer to use one handed fighting styles, and the shape of this style helped them to grasp the saber better. It would also allow for greater accuracy and finesse during combat. Users are often calm and do not look for fights. However, when they do engage in combat, they show great control over the situation. Kind of a the miss on is- all rounds for me on the explanation. <laughs> 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 I mean, I literally watched Sammy decapitate a coworker <laughs> in front of my eyes. So, I mean, at least Sammy getting a Sith blade makes sense. Because no, it means control of the situation. Mm. You know, they they don't want to use violence, but when they will, when they have to, they will. They, <laughs> they did. Will. They <laughs> did. I will decapitate. <laughs> Trust me. Like there's still like a Nick Romano's head is still in like Lauren Morgan's backyard being used as like a soccer ball <laughs> or something. They're just like, kicking it around the yard. I don't know. Uh, the thing about the hilt is it only it looks its coolest only when you draw the blade. Like when Dooku draws the blade in Attack of the Clones, and the it's way he does it, very like with all that flash sort of to his right, like that looks cool. I don't know if it looks as cool or is as practical when you're actually fighting. I'm not sure I buy any of that, but it does look cool when you draw it. Like no question about that. Very much so. Yeah, yeah I don't know enough about like sword hilt, um, like history and and you know different kinds of blades and hilts and things to. to but I'm just like, it looks cool. <laughs> That's usually my my metric for measuring anything. That's all that matters. Does it look cool? Yeah, 100%. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, listen, you can take a trip into Leia's lair um, if you want and <laughs> take the quiz. Take the quiz yourself. Uh, let's get to what we're all here for this week. I spoke with my buddy, Wes Chatham, who plays Captain Enoch on Ahsoka. 
It's a super fun conversation. And that conversation is coming up right after this quick break. All right, our guest this week knows a little something about science fiction uh, because he starred for six seasons as Amos Burton on one of my favorite TV shows, The Expanse. He also hosts a super fun podcast with one of the authors of The Expanse book series, Ty Frank, called Ty and That Guy. Uh, You got stuck with selling the second billing on that one, but you should check it out anyway. Uh, But the reason we have him here today, besides him being a swell dude whom I miss with all my heart, is that he played Grand Admiral Thrawn's right-hand man, Captain Enoch, on Ahsoka, and he joins us now to talk all about it. Buckle up, everybody, because future Payless spokesperson, Wes Chatham, is in the house. What's going on, Wes? Hey, thanks for having me, brother. You know, uh, it's great to be sitting here with you. I remember uh, way back in season one of The Expanse, and I remember Stephen and I were partnering up, and we were doing a bunch of interviews and a bunch of meetings, and, I, and the expanse uh, at that point, it didn't it didn't really make a lot of noise when it first came out. It kind of missed a lot of people's radars. And we remember sitting down with you, and you were the first person that saw it and it was engaged and and knew the the context and the history and the characters. And so you always got a special place in our heart because you were such a big supporter early on for, for the expanse. Man, my, my one regret of The Expanse is that uh, we didn't get to see all the books adapted and I didn't get to see you in like old man, uh, a, like age makeup, like 30 years later as like a half alien with like weird proto molecule. Like, I, I wish you could have seen that, but it was a great ride. Well, you know, you know, that book ain't closed. You know that, right? Yeah, I know. No, no, no books ever closed. Yeah, exactly. uh, you've already been revived once. <laughs> you had that Bezos money. I know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right, you know, Wes, before we get into to like a you know Star Wars stuff, if you could just sort of um, explain to everyone how you got into acting because it's a, it's a it's a pretty crazy and unlikely story and a little different from uh, most people. So explain how you uh, you know got into uh, acting and stuff. Well, you know, I will I, not to be too long in the story, and you know, we, I think we've even talked about this before, but I will kind of have a Star Wars related uh, connection to everything. Is that the first movie that I ever saw in theaters that I ever, and I have distant memories, and for whatever reason, my sister took me to see it was Return of the Jedi. And uh, I remember sitting, and we sat in the very front row right next to the screen. And I just remember uh, being blown away. I mean, I, it, it short circuited my little brain. And I, you know, I don't know, like it was because in the next, you know, the next summer after that, I think we saw Temple of Doom in the theater. But it, those uh, moments of being, a, you know, a child of the 80s and like those big things, that is what got me so fascinated in storytelling and wanting to be a part of it. Um, and I think my desire and want to be a part of that uh, conspired in the universe in a way uh, where I was actually in the military. I was shooting a movie or I was on the, um, the, uh, the USS Bellawood. And randomly, uh, uh, Denzel Washington was shooting uh, a movie called The Antoine Fisher Story, and he chose the Bellawood uh, to shoot on, and the, and the Navy cooperated and everything like that. Well, at that time, everybody on the boat knew that that was my passion. I mean, that I was, you know, uh, writing and studying acting and, and going down and um, seeing plays in San Diego and 
And it, it, it kind of confused a lot of people that I was with. It's like, what is that about? You want to go see? I'm like, hey, you guys want to go see this play they're doing? And they're like, no, we want to go see a play. We want to go to the, go to the bar. So, uh, so everybody, you know, rallied around and were like, Wes, this is your, this is your opportunity, you know? And, uh, and I remember they wanted some authentic military guys to come audition for, for the roles. And I remember going in and, meeting with Robbie Reed, the casting director at the time. And, and I read for her and she was the one that kind of made it all possible. She, she said to me in the, after the audition, she said, who are you? And I said, uh, I'm um, Wes. <laughs> she said, uh, <laughs> what are you doing here? And she said, are you an actor? Or are you in the military? And I said, no, I'm in the military. And then she says, wait out in the hallway. So wait out in the hallway. She auditioned, you know, uh, the rest of the people in there. And then she called me back in and she said, what do you want to do when you get out of the military? And I said, you know, I don't know specifically what it is, but I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of storytelling. And, and she said, uh, at, you know, just at one meeting, um, she said, you know, you can do this if you want to do it. And she said, how long do you have to get out? And I said, I have, you know, three more months. And then she said, when you get out, um, come look me up. I got out. I called her. And she through her is was the first movie I got called The Fighting Temptations and uh, my first series called Barbershop. And uh, so it was uh, it was really a, a amazing to to meet somebody like that that supported me so early on. And it was so random that it happened on this ship. And, you know, it's been and it's always been this dream of mine uh, my whole life. So. It, it's an incredible story. I wasn't really listening to it because I was focused on little, little Wes watching Temple of Doom and that scene where the dude rips out and takes his heart out and holds it up and I'm picturing your reaction in the theater. So look, look, my dad, growing up, I never had any kind of boundaries when it came to, to what I watched. And I, maybe that was an 80s thing or whatever, but, uh, and, and I like, I have to be put in check all the time with my kids because I'm like, all right, kids, it's time to watch Gremlins. And then, and then the scene where, you know, where the, where the Gremlins in the cage and, it, and the other guy's dead in the thing, and that's when it starts to go downhill. And you're like, oh, I don't remember being this scary. I, I, I remember the other night I was like, guys, it's time. I'm going to show you Conan. And have you seen the, because we grew up with the Superstation Conan, right? Yeah. If you if you don't like if you buy the movie and watch it, there's a full on orgy in like the first 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I had to yank that out of the wall real quick. I, I had a dude I went to college with and he would just walk around the campus listening to the Conan soundtrack because it just like this where literally like you'd pay like let me like, take your earbud. What do you listen to? Conan soundtrack, just like, is this a you know, barbarian? Is this the destroyer? What are we going with here this week? Well, you know what? I, that guy sounds like uh, him and I would get along, but what was his point? Was he trying to get in warrior mode for class? I or, think so. Like, I think so. Conquer the, the school? <laughs> Try to fire himself up. So so you get into acting. Which, which early acting role did you enjoy playing more? Uh, frat boy in Sleeper Cell or fraternity enforcer in W? Oh, W, no question. <laughs> w was a fantastic experience. I did uh, uh, I did a movie called In the Valley of Ella with, and Josh Brolin had a little part in that. And I remember just really, like Josh was really uh, great to everybody and, and great to me. I thought he was just so fun. I looked up to him. I think he's a, a fantastic actor and he was very kind and, and uh, I looked up to him. And then in between, uh, 
um, in the Valley of Ella and W, like literally we're shooting in the Valley of Ella. And then I remember going to the premiere of No Country for Old Men mm. and seeing, you know, somebody who is gifted, who's talented. But at that time, he didn't have that kind of he wasn't the star that he is today. And he was just a guy that showed up, put his head down and worked hard and was good in everything he did. And, and it's almost like he lost interest in that side of it. And then we go to No Country for Old Men and it's like everybody's blown away by this performance that he gives. Then the very next movie that I did or I was a part of was W and he was the main guy, you know, in the movie. Um, and, you know, so that was a, a great experience and, you know, getting to see him again. And, you know, I, I look up to him as an actor and uh, and he was always really, you know, good to me and generous to me. So um, I really, uh, that W was was a really good time. And, and sometimes when you see like, a movie like that and you're, you're in a, a little sequence or whatever, you end up spending a lot of time out there depending on when they can shoot or when they can't. And so being able to spend time with Oliver Stone and Josh Brolin and all these things, I, t I tell people all the time when they're, when they're starting out, don't worry about where you are on the call sheet. Don't worry about how big your role is, how many lines you have. Don't think about that. Think about the people that you're going to be with, the people that you can learn from. Think about trying to work, trying to get a hold of and work with good material, good people, good directors, good actors. Surround yourself with that. And even if it's, you know, one or two lines, you're around that and you can see how they work and you start to learn from them. And then you can start to grow in a way that leans into the work that they're, that they're doing and the work that they want to do. I can only imagine you every day pinching yourself when you're on set with Sylvester Stallone. Like I can, I can, I knowing you, I just can't even like, I wish I just could have seen your grin every day, dude. Brother, I can't <laughs> describe doing a fight scene with Rocky. I can't, I can't, I can't even begin to wrap my head around like the, the mind, you know, Rocky, like you, like all of us who yeah. love movies, it was so important and it was uh, such a powerful thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm all like all the way, like the first Rocky movie, the first movie, uh, if you read, if you go back and read reviews of the first Rocky in 1976, they're comparing Stallone to Brando. You know, I mean, it was so important and it was the first, it was, it was at the time where movies were really cynical and, and depressing and downward note, like uh, Taxi Driver and, and those sort of type of films that were brilliant. But then you have a movie that looks like those movies and everybody at that point is conditioned to be like, okay, this guy's going to make all the wrong choices. All the things are going to happen to him. And then it flipped. And then there's a moment of hope and people were so hungry in that time for hope. And then it became this massive phenomenon and it was just the right timing and the, and the, the right work. But I think, you know, I, I really enjoyed working with Stallone. And, and again, he was, you know, really, uh, uh, he, he was really kind to me. So, so you mentioned your first movie you saw in a theater was Return of the Jedi. It's actually funny, Wes, because I'm a little older than you. And the first movie I ever saw, remember seeing in a theater was was Star Wars, A New Hope, the first one. So after you see the movie, like, were you buying the toys and Wait, stuff? Hold on, hold on. So the first movie you, the very first movie you saw was Star Wars? The what? The, my first memory of being in a theater, I was six uh -huh. uh, when Star Wars came out. And so that's the first movie I remember seeing in the theater. Do you think that movie and the effect that it had on you is partially why you do what you do now? Yeah, definitely. And, 100%. And do you, there's something about, if you see Star Wars as a kid, it never leaves you. That magic, that thing, it never leaves you. This, it's so important. 
to you. And um, and so for me, like my Star Wars journey, I saw Return of the Jedi first. It was the first that I remember seeing. And then after that, uh, Star Wars, they had a TV special where Star Wars, they aired it on TV. And yeah, I remember, I remember recording it off the TV with VHS. Yep. And I watched that so many times that I still can recite the movie, but also all the commercial breaks in because it, it aired with commercials. I can I can tell you what commercial, what break came comes on, like when when uh, Princess Leia is in the prison and the, the things coming up with the like exactly what happens in that. Um, and so yes, did I have I had yes I started collecting the toys and wearing the shirts and uh, and um, it was like I, it was Star Wars and He Man and GI Joe for me. Uh, it's so funny because people today uh, will not, will not just understand the kids today, but no, they won't understand the significance of when Star Wars aired on TV for the first time. And I remember, I don't know where there was ads in the middle or promos leading up to, but they had like the Flintstones and all these people talking about Star Wars is going to be on. Like it was like a massive deal when you live in a three channel universe and you're not used to movies being on, you know. TV, I, it was it was huge. So, did you did you have like Star Wars toys and stuff? Did you buy the Kenner action figures or any of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think to just talk a little bit about what you said. One of the things I miss most about you know my childhood was having a shared culture. Um, yeah. You know, the top twenty on the radio, everybody knew what that's. I couldn't tell you what the top ten on the radio is right now because everybody has their own taste and their own style, and it kind of you can specifically listen and stay in your own world in your own bubble. But when Star Wars hit, it wasn't just like, oh, the kids are watching Star Wars. The whole, everybody was fascinated with Star Wars. Everybody. It was a phenomenon. And it's hard for kids nowadays, I guess, you know, maybe with Taylor Swift, but it's hard for kids these days to really understand phenomenon when something happens. I just, off story, I just watched for the first time uh, um, William Freakin's Sorcerer. And that came out. And I watched it and I was like, this is a brilliant movie. I've never heard of it and never seen it. And I couldn't figure out why. I think it's one of his best movies. I think it's as good as French Connection. And I went back and looked at when it came out. And the reason I never heard of it is because it was two months after Star Wars. And it just eclipsed everything for two years. Nothing else existed but Star Wars. What's funny, I always talk about the, when you talk about sort of the fragmentation of pop culture, I always think to myself and I say, like, I wonder if that Game of Thrones finale is the last huge time other than like live sports, but just talking about like TV shows. If it's the last time that like that many people will tune in at a specific time to watch a specific TV show episode, you know, because now with like fragmentation and 300 million different shows, but also like the streamers. I mean, it's interesting that Ahsoka put their episodes out at 9 p.m. Eastern because usually, you know, they come out at 3 a.m. Eastern, 12, midnight, and people are like, oh, I'm going to watch it this week and I'm going to watch it tomorrow. It's not that experience that you and I had when we were young. You know, you can say if it's better or worse, whatever, but where everyone was watching it. I mean, Wes, I can remember before we had a, a VHS, you couldn't tape it, right? Like yeah. when I was really young, like you were going to watch what was on. And then if you missed it, if you were lucky, Maybe you'd catch it in a rerun, uh, you know, the Love Boat rerun, and like in six months during the summer. But that was it. <laughs> well, I think I also think we were better storytellers back then because uh, if you missed, if there was a movie in the theater, and and for whatever reason you weren't allowed to see it, if you missed an episode of TV show, how you got 
the episode is all your friends would tell you about it. And yeah. they would be so, there were so many movies from the past that I thought that I saw because I talked about it so much that I, when I watched it, I'm like, I never saw this. I know every beat <laughs> in the movie because I, you know, you, you, you drag all the stories out of your friends and you're like, you know, okay, so what happened and how did this happen? And who was in that? Oh, you kid, you know, and then you would, you would do that. So your kid, like the kids at, you know, if you missed the Dukes of Hazard finale, the next day at school, your friends would reenact it for you. Every beat, every <laughs> every second of it. Are we being a bunch of old timers talking? Yeah, we are. We're well, let's get in. Let's get into the new. Let's get into. So listen, you 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 watch uh, Return of the Jedi in the theaters, first time in theaters. Now here you are in a Star Wars show, playing a Star Wars character, and we'll get into the look of Captain Enoch and all this stuff in a second. But the most important thing I want to know is, do you have some Captain Enoch toys? Because if I were a character in a Star Wars show, I would have every single toy on the market possible. Somebody just sent this to me. By the way, when I saw the um, the Captain Enoch uniform for the first time, I was, you know, it, it, it reminded me of Excalibur. Yes. Um, in the yeah. face and Excalibur. And I remember having a conversation with Dave Filoni and, and he, he was – excited that I picked up that detail. And then I was in love with, you know, I was, it was way cooler than my imagination ever could make it. I, I feel very lucky to do it, but somebody sent this to me. Uh, th- yeah. So no, I don't have any of the toys, all the toys what? I get is ever, but somebody sent this to me, the Captain Enoch. Uh, oh, the, the fun, fun co-pop yeah, or whatever. Yeah. 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 So that's the first it's... thing I, that's the first of the figures I've seen, but I know I have family members that have ordered all the other stuff and Everything. How have you not ordered that stuff? How have you not gotten that stuff? It's you, dude. I know. I just, I, just, I don't, I mean, uh, people will give it to me, you know, sometimes like, at, you know, Comic-Con or out, whatever. But I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't really do that. I don't really uh, order the toys and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, All right. Give me, give me the casting story. How'd you end up here? How'd you end up on a Star Wars show? So, you know, it's interesting, you know, we talked about at the beginning, how magical and important Star Wars is. And for whatever reason, you know, now that we work in this business and, you know, we get opportunities to be a part of things, I never thought that Star Wars, whatever, it was just too beyond the, the dream of something happening. And uh, I remember getting this audition and it was it was uh, kind of vague, you know, um, of what it was. I think, I think at the time I might have thought known that it was Star Wars related. I, I don't really remember. But preparing uh, the audition, what tipped me off is it was it was it was taken from World War II movies, you know. So they didn't have any of the sides that are in the show or anything like that. It was taken from World War II movies, and I know how important World War II is to Star Wars. Um, and, uh, so all of the sides and everything was World War II. And I remember putting myself on tape. And then when we found out, uh, that it was in fact an audition for Star Wars and they wanted to, and I was going to go do a, a suit test, um, in LA, uh, you know, we asked all the questions that you ask is like, well, what is the role? What is this? What is the time commitment and everything? And they're like, sorry, we can't, we can't give you any of that. Do you want to come out and test or not? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm coming out. And I told, you know, I told everybody involved, I told my team involved and I was like, listen, uh, don't count on me to like be a tough negotiator because as soon as I show up, if I, as soon as I see stormtroopers and things like that, I'm, they have me, I'm not coming home. 
and so then I went out and I got to see the suit and got to see all of the, uh, the, the, the stuff that Star Wars, all the wonderful things of Star Wars and, and actually see it in real time. And, uh, and you know, I'll, I, I am, you know, I, I try really hard to be honest. And I think that sometimes people get and, you know, interviews like this, whatever, people are like, oh, they're lovely. Everything's wonderful. Da, 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 you know, and, and sometimes you're like, come on, t- what, what, tell me what they're really. But I could not have been more. In, it, it, it lived in my highest expectations of what it could have been. I think that showing up, being in the dome, shooting in a Star Destroyer, uh, having all like the, the, the sets, the you know the expanse is a lot of practical sets but there's also a lot of green screen that we do with the expanse there's no green screen it is all in the dome it is all real in there so you're standing in the hangar bay of a star destroyer that you've watched your whole life because the timing is very similar to what the star wars movies that we love and stormtroopers are walking by and um all the characters and everything and uh so it was literally like if I daydreamed, it was like walking into a dream that I got to be a part of to do the thing. And I w- it was exhilarating. It was some of the most fun I've ever had. It's, uh, you know, I got a, a chance, Wes, to, t- to chat with Ray Stevenson um, uh, last April. And your enthusiasm is like exactly the way he felt about this show. Like it was so cool talking to him. And I'd never met Ray before. And within two minutes, he had me in his pocket just talking about how much he loved this and like this this skinny smile he couldn't take off his face i don't know if you guys got a chance to to chat much on set or not but he was he has he says the same things you say just about this just like you know you you guys feel like you're 10 years old again like walking around on set so yeah and also uh you know the way the set is run that same enthusiasm that we had that all the actors had the crew has that enthusiasm and so there's this spirit of, you know, I talk about, I used to talk about The Expanse and uh, The Expanse is the one set that I went in. So day one to seven years later on the last day where I loved going, I really enjoyed and loved going to work. There was something harmonious and really great with the set. Star Wars was very much like that. It was very much, everybody was happy to be there. Everybody worked extremely hard. And, uh, and it was, it was a dream come true for, for everybody that was a part of it. Um, it was a, it was a really, you know, special experience that, you know, I'm excited about continuing. I I don't know what the, I don't know what the production schedule is like and if you were even over there when it happened, but did you, did you try to, to get onto set when, when Hayden was there? Mm -hmm. Uh, or I was there. You there? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Tell me about that. Well, it's a, it's a small, it's a small, uh, you know, and Manhattan beach is a small set and you know, you're shooting scenes, uh, and then you're, cause they will have, the dome will have one set and then you shoot all of the scenes in that dome. Then you change the set and then you shoot all the scenes for there. So you're, uh, the other, uh, people that are in certain scenes are waiting for you to come off and then you're coming and you hang out and you interact and everything like that. But, um, you know, he, he was there waiting to do his work and he was, uh, uh, a really, really cool guy. It was, uh, um, you know, it was, he's, he's excited. Like everybody else is. You're hanging out with Darth Vader, dude. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just so crazy. So crazy. So what is it like then watching yourself in a Star Wars show? And I know we can't see your face, but that's you. And that's, you're in a Star Wars show. 
what was it like? Like cranking up the Disney plus or watching the screeners they sent you or whatever and, and, and checking it out. I mean, it, it's uh, kind of going back to everything we're saying is that uh, it is a surreal experience to be a part of St- Star Wars and to be a part and to be a character that uh, I, I couldn't have designed a character that I think is cooler and also being original. You know, I, I'm a, I have a lot of respect for Dave Filoni. I have a lot of respect what he's what he's done, uh, what he's doing with Star Wars and for Star Wars. And so to be something that he created in a wholly original thing uh, is really exciting, really compelling. And I think, too, the uh, I think we're you know, I think I think the potential of this character um, I'm not. I, I think the potential of this character uh, is exciting. Listen how careful he's being. Everyone, listen how careful he's being. <laughs> Try not to say anything. Try not yeah, to I mean, get honestly, out. you know, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't. You know, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything at all. You know, but there is like, you know, some vague hints. Well, well, well. Okay. Well, so, so you know, I, maybe this is something that'll be shown in season two, or maybe it won't. But when you took this role. Did Dave Filoni, did he provide, and you know, I'm not asking you, you don't have to tell me what it is if he did, but did he provide you with any background on your character and how he ended up working for Thrawn in that creepy gold mask? Is that something you created yourself to give yourself some sort of like knowledge of your character of how he ended up in this place working for this guy? So there's a lot of layers of secrecy, like once you get involved and rightfully so, I think that, um, you know, to preserve the secret and preserve the magic is a lot of the fun of people seeing things for the first time. So as I went through the layers, to be honest, I didn't care. You know, I was like, just wanted to be a part and I was excited to see what the potential was. And I think that um, I also just trust, like if you show up and you do your work, like there has to be a reason that 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 character is there. You know, Thrawn introduced one person, you know. And uh, so, uh, but then once you get to Dave, uh, he's very open and very, uh, he, he will, you know, once you kind of get to Dave and you start working with him, um, he is uh, he's very open and, and, and it's kind of explaining to you what his thoughts were and why what he created for and what the potentials are and what the things to focus on and things like that. And it gives you a good kind of uh, con- he gives you a lot of context and a good picture of what his purpose was. So as soon as you start working, you're you're not you're no longer in the in the dark like you were when you first got there. I remember t- talking to a bunch of the cast and they, you know, um, their characters were in like Rebels. So they would go back and watch some of it and I talked to other people and, you know, they, you know, not so much like I'm going to focus in the here and now. Did you go back and watch any like Star Wars Rebels? Your character's not in that. He's new to this. Um, but did you go back and look at some of that backstory on Thrawn and um, that stuff? Or you know what I did, which is uh, what I did is I went back and read all the Thrawn books, the Timothy Zahn yeah. Thrawn books. And uh, a funny story is. I read the Thrawn books. Um, I'm in, I'm shooting uh, the Ahsoka series. Uh, Steven and I, I get a long weekend. Steven and I go to Atlanta. Steven Stray, the captain, Captain Holden. Yeah. Uh, him and I fly into Atlanta to go to the Dragon Con. And we're there for the Expanse. And uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I think this, I don't know how long this was after the finale. But anyway, we're shooting the Expanse. Or we were there for the expanse, and I told Stephen about these books, this Timothy Zahn books and Thrawn, and you know everything about it. So as we're th- and I remember looking up Timothy Zahn and seeing his pay- you know his face on Wikipedia. So as we're there and we're talking to people and everything, uh, somebody brings Timothy Zahn over 
to say hello. And Timothy Zahn has his son there. And he walks up and I, and I was like, I literally just read his book. I, when I say I read, just read his books, like I probably finished it on the plane to Atlanta. And he's there. And I assume that somehow he heard or knew that I was a part of, you know, this thing that he was. And, uh, and, and, I, and he's with his son, you know, and he, and he comes up and he says, hey, you know, I'm Timothy Zahn. I'm a writer. And I go, I know. I literally just read all your books. And he said, uh, me and my son are massive fans of The Expanse. And we were wondering if we could get a picture and come say hello and everything. And, and I realized he had no idea about Ahsoka and that I was a part of that thing. And I didn't talk about it. I was so <laughs> drilled in my head about secrecy and don't mention anything, don't say anything. So I didn't say anything, but the whole time I'm like, does, does, and you know, I, I think like he's a writer, he wrote, the, I don't know, he's not connected in, in that way. So, but he created the character, he, he created Thrawn. He created <laughs> Thrawn. And, uh, and, I, and I was like, just blown. It's weird how like that thing, those things work. And I was just so blown away. And I ended up telling, you know, when I was doing ADR for the the voice of Enoch, and yeah. I was and I was I told Dave Filoni that story, and he was like, he was he blew his mind too. So it's crazy. Um, it's pretty crazy. He says, "Did you say anything?" I was like, "No, I didn't say anything." He's like, "Okay, all right, good." You know <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna say anything to, to anyone, that's the person. Well, you know, it's like that's like on the Expanse West because I read all those books and loved them, and the the Star Wars books. As as listeners, of this podcast know I've read. I mean well over a hundred of them. And uh, I just did recently did a ranking that that first Thrawn series that he did back in the nineties is still my, my favorite star Wars books ever. Heir to the empire is just, Heir to the empire. Yeah. It's so good. Is Uh, your son into all these things that you are into? Yeah. Poor kid didn't really have a choice. Like I said, it's just just the same way. I'm sure your kids are like watching Rocky four, like every weekend. Uh, They, they, they have no choice. They've seen all, all the classics already. Yeah. Uh, So, so did it take some getting used to walking around in that armor and that mask on set? I mean, like, cause you got, this is Enoch. This guy's got a big position. He's got to look confident, but you're wearing a bulky armor. Maybe it wasn't so bulky. Tell me about the the costume. Yeah. You know, I think that the years of the expanse and wearing those spacesuits, that mm-hmm. those things were the, that was the worst. Those things are the worst. And this was a holiday compared to the spacesuits. And I think that uh, the, you know, the, the p- getting it all on and getting it off takes a while, you know, when you show up and do everything like that. Um, but once it's on the presence of it, you know, the, I think uh, like even in the um, uh, in the when putting myself on tape or whatever, they wanted they had to do a lot of walking in and out of frame, walking behind, whatever. There's a certain presence and a walk that they were after that they wanted this, you know, Enoch to have. He is the commander of these troops and the way that he. Um, commands them and the things that they do. So I remember when I don't even I don't, I don't remember if it made I think some of it made in the show, but I remember uh, drilling when I was in the military uh, for four years, and I remember like drilling the troops like I was drilled in boot camp and using the same language and terms. And uh, and so when when we went out. To and I, I mean, literally, you have all these stormtroopers standing there, and I'm in a stormtrooper outfit, and they're like, you know, talking about like, how do you about face? How do you calm half left? Like, how do you do all these certain moves or whatever? And then we worked on it with them. We, there was an advisor there, and you worked on the thing. So then they said, okay, let's just start calling out commands and getting them into formation. 
So when Thrawn is walking up, they're getting into formations and you're, you're showing that you're the commander and you're giving these. And that was awesome, man. I mean, like, ah, like, you know, yelling at them and they're just having all these stormtroopers doing this thing. And you're like, I'm f-ing commanding stormtroopers, you know? <laughs> now, I would honestly, if I were in that role and look at me, I'm like 110 pounds and getting like blown over by a strong wind. So like, it wouldn't be me. But I would have some serious bathroom anxiety. Like I would be worrying that I would need to pee while wearing on that armor and it would be a whole scene. Uh, what about you? No, it's not. It's so you wear this like big onesie underneath and then uh, there's a zip. The zips go both ways. So you have a zip that comes up, but you have a zipper on the bottom. So it's like mm. you can either zip down or zip up. So and then not to get, but you also like two snaps, two snaps for the cod piece, one zip for the onesie <laughs> and you're good to go. <laughs> so you mentioned the voice uh explain how they did the voice uh, i'm assuming that was mostly all adr and then that, is that you know it's your voice i assume with a lot of effects on it what are we hearing here my understanding is that it's my voice at the lowest octave it's my voice at the middle octave and it's my voice at the highest octave all at the same time hmm. um and then i have you know i have a ton of voice memos on my phone when they were working on it where they were like you know uh, send this line in and I would send it in with different effects and different, you know, trying to, and kind of like working to try to find what that voice or what that sound was. Um, and then I would just send things over and over and over. And then when I went to ADR, I think they were pretty dialed in, uh, to what the sound and the, and the effect and the voice was going to be. So when they asked you to send stuff in, how were you recording? Were you recording it on your phone or were you getting Voice memo? Yeah. That's all that's on the show? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think it's on the show. I think they were using different inflections oh, to right. find it. And then when they were like, okay. So then when I went to ADR, they were gotcha. a lot of that finding work was kind of done. You know? Already done. And I also, I think it was probably put into temp tracks and certain things like that to kind of like as they were putting um, assemblage together, assembling things together. Look, man, I... I don't want to show any disrespect to Captain Enoch, all right? But like, is this guy any good at his job? Because he deploys starfighters to keep Ahsoka's shuttle from getting to the surface. She lands anyway. He sends out a bunch of troopers to keep the enemy from reaching the fortress, yet they kind of reach it anyway. Ezra gets on board, he gets back home. So I mean, if I Come have on, blue is, skin- Is Enoch bad at his job or is all the people he sends to do their job <laughs> bad at their jobs? Right? Hey, man, if they like, were effective, what? then it would have been great how it would have worked out. <laughs> Listen, when, when the coach steps to the podium after, at the end of the game, when his players blow it, it comes down to the coach or the quarterback. So I, what's going on with this guy? I, hey, but I, guess what? Know. Thrawn got off the planet safely. <laughs> he did. He did. It's true. So the job it's got true. done. It's like, you know, it's like we didn't, the game didn't go the way we wanted it to go. Uh, you know, we could have played better. We could have made mistakes, but we got the win, you know? <laughs> So look again uh, as we as we wrap up, we the official announcement came out now, season two of Ahsoka. I know you're not going to tell us anything that's going to happen, or literally the chip they plant in your brain is going to explode and you'll be dead. But how much do you know, Wes? How much? Because I know they're secretive at stars. Not only the secret in terms of what you guys can tell e- each other, but they're often secretive in terms of what they tell you. How much do you know now about season two? Honestly, I, I don't know anything. Yeah. Uh, I have theories I've had, you know, but those are mine. Those are things that, uh, um, you know, I've had long discussions where I'm trying to mine things. Uh, but 
I don't know anything. Um, I just know uh, that I'm excited about what's coming. What do your kids think of uh, Captain Enoch? They, it's, <laughs> I don't, I don't think they believe at this point. I don't think they believe it's me because I'm like, guys, that's me. They love they're you know, obviously they're my kids. Like, you know, Star Wars is, is mandatory. Um, and they love Star Wars. And when I'm saying, Hey, this is me, uh, that, and you know, what's crazy about Star Wars fans is they, you know, I thought like, okay, this scene, this season is going to introduce my character, introduce these things, but it's, it's going to take a while, like to really, but people come up to me on the streets and be like, Oh, Captain Enoch, man. And I'm like, how, I'm wearing a mask. How do you know? And they're like, Oh, you know, and they, I guess Star Wars, they know who everybody is. You know, yeah. they know the mask and everything like that. So if people come up to me on the street and say Captain Enoch, my kids are like, what are they, what, what are they talking about? I'm like, that the thing on the the thing I was telling you about. And they're like, Yeah, but that doesn't sound like you. No, that doesn't I'm like, no, it's not. So <laughs> they don't they haven't uh connected all the all the dots yet, you know, of what that is, you know. They're like, wait, they they, they know about the expanse, they know about other things. But when I say Star Wars, I don't know if they fully believe it yet or process it. I know you've done a bunch of conventions before for The Expanse. Have you done gone to any conventions like since Ahsoka came out? I have not. I've I have some coming up. I have no idea what they are. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking. But you can't see it. He's looking around his room. Like, do I have a list? Can I mention these? Right, right, right. You know. Uh, but I, I I know I have some coming up, but I don't know uh, when they are. Well, hopefully, you can get to uh, the next Star Wars celebration. I know it's not till twenty twenty five. Do, you, do but... you go to a lot of conventions? No, I did go to the last Star Wars celebration. Um, and, uh, but no, I don't go to many. Of they those. announced Thrawn at that. Were you there when they announced Thrawn? Yeah, I was there when he came out. Yeah. When he came, came out. out and I mean, that was an yeah. exciting moment, you know. I got to talk to him right afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and you can hear that conversation on this podcast when I spoke to Lars Mickelson and he, uh, he teared up, man. He got, yeah. he got teary he, hearing that reaction from the he crowd. He is, he's fantastic. And he had no idea what he was walking into, you know, like I kept saying, you know, you know, like we would be, you know, we would kind of be talking and everything like that. And I'd be like, you know, Thrawn is like a big deal. Right. And he's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, it's like you, this is a huge thing that you're doing. I mean, you know, I'm excited to be, to be your Darth Vader. I, <laughs> I think that's why he got so emotional at celebration. It was awesome to see. Well, Hopefully you'll get to see West Chatham at the next Star Wars celebration and all these other uh, conventions he's going to that he doesn't even know where or when they are. Yeah. Uh, but you can you can also check out his podcast, Ty and That Guy. It's super fun. They go through lots of old movies and like deep dive on like really cool films, and it's uh, it's tons of fun. You guys should check out West. It's always a blast to chat, man. Thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, thanks for having me, Dawn. I really appreciate you having me on. All right, our thanks to the legend, Wes Chatham, for taking his creepy helmet off to talk with us this week. And our thanks to you for taking the time to listen to all this nonsense. We would be forever in your debt if you could please follow the podcast, rate it, write us a nice review. We'll even give you a shout out right here on the pod if you throw us a nice review. You can also leave us a voicemail message at any time about anything you want. Just call us and say what you got to say at 657-799-1566 and you can be part of the show. You can also connect with us on social media by following Entertainment Weekly on all socials. It's at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us directly using at Dalton Ross and at Devin Kogan. 
Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all over again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch Podcast is hosted and produced by Dalton Ross and Devin Kogan. Produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening and may the force be with you.